0: Well, we were over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Last week we had fun with the uh, doctrine of predestination and looked at some of the examples in the Word of God of actual predestination as it occurred. Because whatever God wants us to understand, He has given us demonstrations of it. But here we're going to pick up and go beyond that. We're going to still be over at verse 5 and continue on here. But that's, of course, we went over this whole thing all the way up through uh, verse... 14, I think it was, is all one sentence. And we're just taking them in chunks. But in verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. So we spent some time looking at, at what uh, what predestination Here it says we have been predestined to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Now the adoption of sons doctrine is over in Galatians chapter Uh, 3 and 4, but over in chapter 4, let's take a look at that. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Well, in all the doctrine of this, we find out that the slave or the, the servants, excuse me, the sons are put under tutors, guardians and tutors. Paul teaches us about about those. And that they equated out to the law; that the law was a, a guardian and a tutor until such time as Jesus Christ would come. But Jesus Christ has come. Even so, we, verse three, when we were, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So the purpose was for us to receive the adoption of sons to which Ephesians tells us that we were predestined to. God had given a predestined way for us to get there. He wants all that are sons to follow in this way of adoption of sons, which is the son placing or taking a son and making him into an eligible heir, one who can take advantage of all the things of the inheritance, which is what God wants for us. So there are guardians and stewards, which were the law. Now, I had all these things in your outline, but there was just not enough room, so I took all these out. We were redeemed from the law that we might receive the adoption as sons, no longer slaves, but sons. And if sons, then heirs. Just because we're a son doesn't mean that we are an heir. But because we are a son, we can be an heir. And he gives it's the things that we need to do. So we've got to get out from underneath those guardians and stewards. Too many Christians want to serve God via a law. Well, just tell me what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And they try and attain righteousness by doing good and and by not doing bad. And that's not how it is. God wants us to be led by His Spirit. And that's the mature sons. Well, in verse 6, verse 5 again, having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. It's the good pleasure of His will that this is done. It brings good pleasure to Him. And it was according to His will that He did all this. So don't ever sit there and say, well, I don't know if He wants me. I don't know if I am if I should be a son. I'm just okay to be just in the family. That's No, that's not the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. All this is to the praise of the glory of His grace. All this is to the praise and the glory of His grace. The grace is His. But in it, all these things point to the praise and the glory of His grace. It's not going to be about how good we are, how how much we've done, our own goodness, and all these sort of things. That's why Peter and or that's why yeah, Peter and John said, "Why do you look on us as if by our own goodness we have caused this man to walk?" It wasn't our goodness. It wasn't us. It's to the glory of His grace, to the praise of the glory of His grace. By which he has made us accepted in the, in the beloved. It is to the praise of the glory of his grace to take us from a slave to son to heir. From a slave to son to heir. That gives glory to the grace of God, to all the people that are around us. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which, by what? His grace. He has made us accepted in the Beloved. It is by His grace. The only way we can become accepted in the Beloved is by His grace. If you look at some people in the Christian family, and well, just look at them, they must be more accepted than I am. No, it's, we are accepted by His grace. His grace. And His grace is the same for all. It's the same for all. We're all accepted into the family. So he has made us accepted. notice that that's past tense. Now was Galatians written a long time ago, right? 2000 some close to 2,000 years anyway. it was a long time ago. He has made us accepted it's past tense. So at the time Paul wrote this epistle, he had already made you accepted in the beloved. already and you weren't even born yet. Therefore, you couldn't have done any good works because you weren't even born. But He has already made you accepted in the Beloved. There's nothing to add on our part. It is all done on His part. Every bit of it. In verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Notice it does not say His body. It is through His blood. The redemption is brought through His blood. Healing is brought through His body. But in Him, we have redemption through His blood. Again, it's something of His. It's His grace. It's His blood. It's not our works. It's not our things that we've done. We've got to get out of that mentality because that religious mentality is always getting us to focus on what have I done? What have I done to disqualify myself? What have I done to qualify myself? But Paul... In the very opening parts of this this epistle, He's letting them all know. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have the forgiveness of sins. Our sins have been forgiven according to the riches of His... Here, we're getting back into the grace part again. Boy, He's really emphasizing this grace. According to the riches of His grace. His grace is rich. Now, if God calls something rich, if God calls something rich, it's got to be. I mean, it's really got to be rich. It's got to be really, really, really good. How many have ever gone shopping for a TV of late? We haven't done it for a while. A couple of years ago, we, we did. And we went shopping in, into some of the places that are there. And I'll tell you, there's all kinds of TVs they have out there. But there was one set, as we were looking around, and it just stood out. This set was above and beyond anything we had ever seen. It also was eight and $9,000. <laughs> I can't even come close to justifying putting that much money out for a TV set. <laughs> eight, 9000 and that was on sale. It was more expensive than that. But they were getting rid of this particular model, and so it went down from $12,000... To only eight or nine thousand dollars, what a deal! Oh, what a deal! I mean that's time'll give me two right? I mean it was it was a good size set, but they had all kinds of them. but this was a, a, a particular one, and this uh, maker had some technology that apparently no one else had or was using, or somehow you know patents and all that sort of stuff, and so they had this this thing, and they were actually going to be eliminating the whole thing. The whole line was going out but when you looked at that set and then looked at all the other sets and you come keep on coming back to this particular one it's like wow <laughs> i mean that is that is some kind of a picture now the salesman that was in there he really set us free because he said don't worry about it when you get on home whatever set you pick these other ones won't be here <laughs> They'll all, be, they'll all be here, and you just take that one you're going to take on. home Because we got one that was like about two years ago was about three- or four-year-old technology, and they were just getting rid of them, and, and it was Black Friday, and we just got a deal that to this day I haven't seen as good of a deal on the on the thing. And so, it, yeah, you put our set up to next to a lot of the other ones. Well, you could see the difference in it, but glory to God, not when we got it home. <laughs> Don't see any difference, and we didn't spend anywhere near Eight or nine thousand dollars. But then they also had the particular room that was set off for the expensive TVs, the expensive ones. <laughs> so we just had to walk on through and take a look at them. We didn't like them as much as we liked the one that was eight or nine thousand. We looked at the two, they were in two different rooms, but you kind of can kind of see them, and it just wasn't quite there. We, we didn't like them as, as much. They must have had some other things to it. I don't even remember the name of the brand, but expensive. You could you could see why they had their own room. Uh, they were high priced. So if you could go out there and you could find some some rich billionaire, and if he went out there and you went, got into his house and he went out and he shopped for a TV set and he put that TV set in there, you know he could afford eight or nine thousand dollars. He could afford twelve thousand dollars, and he could afford the twenty four and thirty thousand dollars that the expensive ones were. He could afford that. And so if he partic- settled on a particular one, you would think, wow, that must be a really good TV for whatever the reason. He might, might have that there. So this is what God is saying. God, who is rich, abundantly rich, calls His grace rich. Calls it rich. I mean, would Bill Gates come up and call you rich? <laughs> I mean, not just money-wise, just money-wise. He, he, I don't think that you know Bill Gates and and some of these other. I, I can't even think of the name of all these rich people that are out there, but um, they're they're not necessarily envying your checking account, right? <laughs> but God, who is rich, we know the Word of God says God is rich. Inspires Paul to write here to the Ephesians according to the riches of His grace. He's got enough grace to satisfy all the world and all their sin. All of it. Every bit. Because we know in Romans chapter 5, verse 15, But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. Another way to call the riches of grace. And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 17 again. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. How many of us have borne the brunt of the one man's offense? All the time. Do we not constantly? Every time we feel convicted. Every time we feel inferior. Every time we forget something. I mean forgetting things. Was Adam in his unfallen state going to forget anything? Every time you forget something every time you feel inadequate in any way, any time sin seems to be rising up on the inside of you, it's because of the one man. For it by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, and death reigned, and how many know death reigning? Sickness and disease that's raining, Pains. Infirmities. Weaknesses. Some of those conditions that they say, well, that's just part of getting old. Arthritis. That's just part of getting old. You know, the aches and pains and all sorts of stuff. It's all there. Oh, it's just part of getting old. Moses was 120. He's still climbing mountains. For if by the one man's offense death reigns for the one, much more, much more, those who received abundance of grace. How much grace did you receive? Just enough to take care of the need? No, abundance. Abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. How many have received the gift of righteousness? Because of the abundance of grace, because of the riches of his grace. These are the things we we have. Oh, if we can get this down. We'll reign in life through the one. Are we reigning in life? If we're not, we should be. We'll reign in life. Is a depressed person reigning in life? No, they're under something, aren't they? Is a person bound up with unforgiveness reigning in life? Is a person who's been offended and hangs on to it, reigning in life. <laughs> no. All these things can come to us. If we are caught up with concerns, anxieties, fears, worries, are we reigning in life? No. no. We are not reigning in life. But God has called us to reign in life. How? And now the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. It's through the gift of righteousness. Mm -hmm. If we're not reigning in life and these things are coming up on us, we need to get ourselves a shot in the arm about righteousness. Mm -hmm. What is this righteousness for me? Mm -hmm. You look at Ephesians and say, well, I know all this stuff. Are we reigning in life? If we truly understand the gift of righteousness, the abundance of his grace, the riches of his grace we would be reigning in life. Reigning in life. Offense can't get a hold of me. I cannot get offended because I reign in life. Because of the abundance of the grace. Because of the gift of righteousness. Can't get me hung up there. Unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, wrath, all those things that are listed in the New Testament works of the flesh. Reigning in life? No. No. Get rid of them every time they want to get a hold of you and pull you in say no 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 look look right here for if by one, the one man 's offense death reigned through the one i 'm not going to hang on to those things that are from the one man that death reigned through much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ, therefore, as though one man 's offense judgment came as through one man 's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation condemnation understand this folks people who are under condemnation condemn others people who are under condemnation condemn others if you are under condemnation for your sins if you're under condemnation that you're not adequate enough that there's, there's problems for you then you go out and you condemn others but free people go out to free other people what are you all concerned about that for? Come on, let's get free of that. I, I'm not bothered. About, so, what you did that? Come on, let's go. We look to free other people up. Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Who'd he leave out? Nobody. Nobody came to all. Not all take advantage of it, but it came to all. Resulted in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. (laughs) Has the devil ever got us into condemnation? That's the 19th time you've done that just this week. But grace abounded. Plenty of it. Lots of it. No, no, no problem. No, no deficiency here. You know how many times they get out there and they want to tell us oil. Well, we've got to be careful how we use all that because, you know, it could dry up. And all they keep doing is finding new reservoirs of the stuff. Then they found out that some of the places they depleted got filled up again. And there's more there. They've got new technology now that they can go back to some of the old places just in this country, just in our country. Go back to some of the old places where they took out the oil and with the new technology, pull out even more. Even more. That's just amazing. They got stuff over in the Dakotas with the, the new technologies and the new fields they found that if we were to tap into that, we don't even have to tap into Alaska's abundance, abundance of the stuff. But yet we real careful. Don't keep away. Don't waste that oil. You know, we're using too much oil. There's plenty of it. <laughs> there is so much oil, folks, that God told us that in the end times, we're still using it. They're still using it. There are people up there. who want to say it was the, the fuel of the past. Ever heard people talk about that? It's the fuel of the past. We don't need that one anymore. It's the fuel of the past. Except there is no fuel of the present. <laughs> what else are you going to use? <laughs> I mean, it's a good fuel. It's cheap. It's inexpensive. And it works. God's grace is even more abundant than oil. It's even more abundant than the water we see. God's grace is abundant. You don't have to worry about conserving it. There's plenty. There's plenty. There's lots. Verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Much more. Not just a little bit more, but much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace might reign through righteousness. There's something powerful in this thing with grace we've got to get a hold of in him we have redemption verse 7 through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches the abundance of his grace his gra- folks the grace of god has covered us for a whole lot of things we get under guilt and condemnation for so much stuff and yet the grace of god is there to cover it up the grace of god is there to take care of it and the devil wants to come on in and he finds these these weak christians Oh, you need to be condemned. You need to feel bad. You need to do something better to get that taken care of. But you know what? Grace. Grace abounds. There's plenty of grace. There's lots of grace. If you need so much of it, there's plenty more. There's abounding grace. Boy, if we can only harp on that and get, get that to the point that we understand it. According to the riches of His grace. Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write about the riches of his grace. And this by a person who's pretty rich himself. God. Which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Which he made, what did he make? The grace to abound toward us. The word therefore abound periseo. To super abound in quantity or quality. When God abounds something, it's the best and there is plenty. <laughs> when I mean, look at the, the way He does things. He makes gates out of pearls. He paves the roads with gold. He uses gemstones as foundations. This man knows how to super abound. Super abound. To be in excess. To be superfluous. To be in excess. To be in excess. Sometimes we lose sight of of what it is to be excess. Because you know what? How many of you all know that there were days when you first started working and you made in the course of a year, $5,000 and thought that was a lot of money. I made $5,000 last year. Wow. Look at that. $5,000 in a year. Wow. And then we get a job and we, we calculate the job out. You know, well, I'm going to get paid this much and I'm going to work this many hours. and That's, that's 12000 can you remember when you first had a job and you were going to make $12,000 in a year? And you just were making five. And now you're going to have 12. How many of you thought super abounding? <laughs> super abounding. And then you moved up from there and, and, and you know, got a job, $40,000. $40,000. Oh, that's abundance. That's abundance. But then we found out that $40,000 doesn't do so much when you have to buy a house and you've got to buy a car and you've got to put kids through school and then you got college and, and gas and food. Oh, man. And that $40,000 that you have, it doesn't seem to be super abounding anymore. It is just barely making it. It seems like, oh, it's just, we're just, we just barely have enough money for the month. <laughs> we're not super abounding. And so then when we go to the grocery store, we gotta count out. How much am I spending? How much am I, cause I only have so much in the account. How much am I spending? And no, we gotta put that back. I don't quite have enough of that. Maybe next week we'll come back and get that. And then you, you get on over to the register and remember the times holding your breath? <laughs> oh, I hope that, oh, we're not super abounding, are we? That's not super abounding. Super abounding is you go to the grocery store, you throw everything in you, that you need, want or whatever and you go up there and then you just, uh, whatever. You don't eat. You, and coupons? Don't bother me with coupons. Just going on through the line and here's my card and just, and you know what? Just take care of the person behind me too. We'll just put theirs on it. Too. Because we superabound. Superabound. Super abound. Super abound. I'm not concerned. What what do you got in that cart? Man, that's that's nothing. <laughs> Something like fifty things in there. That's super abounding. That's what God does. God does not look at it and say, well, I don't know. Look at that cart. That's it's kind of a full cart. Not quite sure. I mean that's a lot of sin in there. You were really bad. You really messed up a lot. Uh, Gabriel, what's the uh what's the account look like? That is kind of close. Do you have any coupons? God doesn't do that. God does not even have to check the account. You show up, sin. It's all right. Got plenty of grace here. This is not a problem. But we're over there because we're used to not super abounding. And oh, but I did this. And I, just last week, I did this twice. And while I was doing this, and you know, I got angry over there and I got frustrated and I got hurt and I got offended and I offended someone else and I said some things I shouldn't have said and and we're going down the list. We're not understanding the riches of what he has. He says, which he has made, the grace of God, he has made to abound toward us. It is abounding toward us. This word is also translated to cause, to superabound, or excel. To make more, abound, have, or have more, abundance. To be more, abundant. To be the better. Enough and despair. Exceed. Excel. Increase. Glory to God. Over and above. Which He has made... To abound toward us. Now look at this. The grace of God abounds toward us. We're not counting pennies. We're not concerned with how much stuff is in the cart. Abound. Every time you go to the grocery store and you're wondering, you abound. You abound. You abound. Just think about that. Every time you go to the grocery store and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I should do... Abound. Just... I'm not saying go in there and fill up your grocery cart more. I'm just thinking, <laughs> just just be meditating on, oh, God abounds. I know what it is to be limited, but God abounds. God is not concerned. He's not concerned with how much does it cost. Oh, to go into a store and just uh, and find something you like, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. You ever? Uh, I've heard of people going in. I've never been in one myself, but I hear that there are there are restaurants. And they have menus, and there's no prices on them. No prices at all. Well, apparently, if you're in that restaurant and you're concerned with what the price is, it is not a restaurant you should be in. <laughs> you should go to a different one. <laughs> I always think about that because you know some restaurants you go in and they always have specials, you know, the chef special and stuff, and they read off, but they don't read off how much they cost. They just read off what it is. Boy, that sounds good. Oh, hmm, yeah, sounds sounds good. And uh, if you don't feel up to how much is that? And sometimes you don't feel up to how much is that, because you know we got to be concerned. You know I don't want to be buying some twenty-dollar meal here. We don't always want to ask about that, so we just go in the menu and we find the six-dollar sandwich. I'll just I'll take one of those, <laughs> right? Because because I'm not abounding. I'm not abounding. You know, some of those places that serve stuff that uh, there are no price tags on. I've seen some of the food, and it's not stuff I would want to eat. You know, escargot. I don't eat. I don't know. Caviar. You know, I've never ordered caviar at a restaurant. Never. But sometimes we're at a buffet, and they had it on there, and so I tried it. Oh, dear Lord. Why do people eat that stuff? That is awful. Oh. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some things, and everybody develops different tastes for things. Uh, some folks, you know, they'll go into a restaurant, and uh, their highlight is when they can go in there and order a lobster. Oh, look, I'm going to go in there and go to order a lobster. I've had lobster before, and I'm unimpressed. <laughs> I am not impressed. I do not go into a restaurant and ask what the lobster is about because I think they charge way too much for what it's worth. I, I just don't like it. But other people, you go in there, and, oh, they, that's what they like. They, they like that one. Mm-hmm. Now, give me a good piece of salmon. I'll take that any day over, a nice lobster. <laughs> Absolutely. But for some people, they, they like it and they'll, they'll pay that kind of money. Me? Nope. Nope. There's no lobster out there. None that are worth the money they want to they charge for that. I'll go find something else. But all to be, so, to, be, to be so super abounding that when you walk into a restaurant, there's no prices on the menu. I'll take this, this, and this. This is what God is he abounds he doesn't care how much you sin doesn't care what you order on the menu he's got enough to take care of it all for all oh what abounding but he goes on which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom the word there all we've covered it before is the word pass all any every the whole you get the idea here all all wisdom any wisdom, every wisdom, the whole package, all of it, through His grace, which He made to abound to us in all wisdom. His grace abounds toward us in all wisdom. How many of you have ever felt, oh, I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how to handle this situation at work. I don't know how to handle this situation in finances. I don't know what decision to make in this regard. I don't know if I ought to buy this car or this car. I don't know if I ought to buy this house or this house. I just don't know. How many of you ever felt inadequate on on some of those things? But he says he, because of the grace of God, which he made to abound toward us, that it abounds toward us in all wisdom. Does that sound like anything has been held back? This stuff super abounds towards you. In all wisdom. All of it. The whole package. It's all there available to you. The word of God also tells us in James. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all. Just enough. Liberally. This stuff abounds to you. There is more wisdom available to you than you need. There is more wisdom available to you than you need. More of it. There is no situation that should ever cause you to be perplexed to the point of not knowing what to do. None. See, worried people that go around saying, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. Oh, what if this happens? Oh, what if this happens? That's one reason I just don't like hypothetical situations. If you throw a hypothetical situation, you'll get a frown. If you throw it out towards me. I don't like hypothetical situations. Because you can't apply the wisdom of God to something that's hypothetical. God's wisdom, it's applied to real life stuff. And when you have a real life situation, the wisdom of God will come up. I despise hypothetical situations. Well, what would you do if this happened? I don't know. That hasn't happened. Well, what if it does? I don't know. When it does happen, I'll know what I need to do. But it hasn't happened. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret about it. I'm not going to think, well, what will happen if it might happen? No. You see, you get into these kind of hypo uh, these these kind of concern over hypothetical situations. Well, what happens if you lose your job? Oh, what happens if your car breaks down and you're out in the middle of the road? What do you do then? Oh, but what do you do if this if this situation comes up at work? What do you do if people say this about you over work? I don't worry about it. Word of God says don't be worried or anxious for anything. He even tells his disciples when they, when they bring you up before court and They're going to try you for being a Christian. Don't you even think about what you're going to say. Because I'll tell you what you need to say when you need to say it. The wisdom of God will abound to you. But don't sit there and be worried and anxious and all. Just, Father God, just go go around all day long. Father God, I thank you. No matter what situation comes against me today, I know what to do. (laughs) I will know what to do. No matter what happens. No matter what happens tomorrow, I will know what to do. I will know. I will know. Glory to God. You don't have to depend on some lawyer because the wisdom will abound to you. You'll know what to do. He says, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom. The word there for wisdom is the Greek word Sophia. Very familiar one. We get the word sophomore and such things from it. Wisdom higher or lower, worldly or spiritual, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Looking up the word prudence, this word is only used two times in the Greek New Testament. Pronesis, it is mental action or activity, intellectual or insight, prudence or wisdom. So slightly different from wisdom, but no matter what, wisdom and prudence are going to take care of you. And God says both of them abound. Whether it's just wisdom, knowing how to do things, or whether it's insight into a situation, God says you will abound. How much better would it be if you had insight into your situation? How much better would it be if God spoke to you insight, supernatural knowledge, about that, that thing? Would you know better what to do? Absolutely we would in all wisdom in all prudence cuz the word all is, is working on both of these all wisdom all prudence again all, all. any every the whole there's nothing lacking in that is it no. it's it's all there it's all there for you the whole thing you know how many times you've been over there and you had a good meal and then it's time for dessert and you left some room for dessert and they bring out the pie, cheesecake, three berry pie, whatever it might be, and you look at that thing and well I can only do one piece. But you like to do what? Oh. The whole <laughs> the whole thing. I want to do the whole but no, I shouldn't do the whole thing. <laughs> but I'd like to do the whole thing. I'd like to to do the whole the whole bit. That's what this is talking about. Verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Having made known to us. The word there for known means to make known, to certify, to declare, to make known, to give, to understand. To make known, certify, declare, make known, give to understand. I like that last one, give to to understand. Having given us the mystery of His will to understand. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Now, it's not our normal word for knowledge that we've seen before. Some of the normal ones we've seen. Gnorizo. Gnorizo. It means to, to, to make known. God has made known His will. He has certified it. He has declared it. He has given it to us to understand. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. How many times have we ever heard people, not no one in this church I know, but other churches in other places and faraway countries. And they're praying, oh, Father God, if it be your will. Oh, Father God, take this away from me, if it be your will. Oh, Father God, let this situation work out, if it be your will. Having made known to us the mystery, the musteran of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. There is a will of God and God has made it known for us. Now understand this. God has made known to you his will for your life, not his will for someone else's. But he's made known to you his will for your life. He has given it to you to understand. If He has a will for your life, if He has a purpose for your life, He has made it known for the purpose that you would understand it. just goes for the Word of God. Did God have a will for Moses? Did He make it understandable for him? Did God have a will for David? Did He make it understandable for him? Daniel. Did He make it understandable? Peter. Did He make it understandable? He told him how He would die. He told him how He would live. God will make known to you the mystery of His will, the musteron. And mystery in the Greek does not mean something that's mysterious or hard to understand or hard to figure out. You don't need a Columbo. You don't need a uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes. All you need is to know is this. Musteron means something that has been hidden but is now made known. His will has been given to us to understand according to His good pleasure. Having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. It was His good pleasure to, to purpose a will for you. The purpose of direction. And it's His good pleasure to make, make it known to you what it is. That's our God. Folks, the grace of God abounds toward us. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. Not ours. Not our work. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. It abounds toward us for redemption from sin. We've been redeemed from sin. Set free. No longer in bondage to. I no longer have to sin. Sin has no power over me anymore. Placement of position. All wisdom and prudence and understanding of His will. The grace of God abounds toward us for these purposes. Redemption from sin. The placement of our position. Sons. All wisdom and prudence and the understanding of His will. This is what the grace of God helps us out with. The grace of God. It's His grace. It's not ours. It has nothing to do with us. The grace of God has only to do with the grace of God. It has to do with Him. It's His grace. And it abounds toward us in a super abundant way. There is nothing that will go on in our life that, as far as sin is concerned, that His grace will not cover. And in the same way, there is no situation that will come that wisdom will not abound to you prudence will not abound to you. You'll have insight. You'll have wisdom. You'll know exactly what to do. There is no situation that will be hidden from you as to what you should do. Unless you get caught up in this thing. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But see, this all goes back to the part of the adoption of sons. We've been predestined to be the adoption of sons. This is a mature one. And this is one who is given the heir. Takes advantage of all that an heir should do that God has predestined that we should go in such a way that we are an heir and that all that God has for us as inheritance is for us to use now. When Jesus gave the parable of the prodigal son, the one son said, Give me my inheritance now. And he used it now. Not later in the next kingdom. He used it now. The things that we have as an heir, folks, are for us to use now. And you know what? Don't worry about using too much. God is excessively rich. Excessively. He doesn't have to balance His checkbook at the end of the month to make sure that He's going to have enough for the next month. He has an excessive amount that He needs. And he abounds in all wisdom and prudence towards us. All these things. It, Paul just keeps harping this thing. Abounding. All. It's it's excessive what God has. But the excessive part is good. It's all the good stuff. And we get so caught up. Oh, but I messed up now the fifth time this week. And God says, let's go. Stop getting hung up on this stuff. Come on. Now quit. God wants us to quit doing it because it's harping us. It's holding us back. But it's, but there's still plenty of grace. There's still plenty of grace. Don't get bound up by it. Don't get hung up. And People have been hanging on to, this, to sickness and disease because they thought, well, I'm no good. Well, I just, I'm not doing what God wants me to do yet. I'm still not in the place. Oh, come on. God's will abounds. Go through the New Testament. Look in the Gospels. Find out how many people Jesus came up to. Ask for healing. And he said, you know what? You missed it five times this week. It's a little excessive for me. Come back next week. We'll see how you're doing. Never told that to anybody. Never one time qualified them and said, well, you know, how long have you been born again? How have you been living? Things going okay? You doing what you're supposed to do? Disobeying God at all? He doesn't qualify anybody by that. But we qualify ourselves in that way all the time. He is super abounding. Super abounding. How many times have little children gone to the beach and brought home cups of ocean water? Can you imagine if someone were to say, You better put that back. That ocean's gonna run dry. The ocean needs all that water. Get that water back in there. No. Nope. Ocean's doing just fine. God abounds in stuff. You don't have to be a spendthrift with God. don't have to be at all. God abounds. Father God, we thank you for the abounding grace that comes toward us. Oh, when it comes to us not just for the forgiveness of sins but for so many other things. But I thank you that, all, that your grace abounds more than all of our sins, than all of our shortcomings. Your grace just abounds that much more. We don't ever have to get caught up in depression or thoughts of it being inferior because your grace abounds. Glory to God. And not only that, but Father, it comes to us in all wisdom and prudence. It comes to us for the knowledge of the will of God. That we can know what the will of God is for our life, for our situation. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.